0: I think it's a bit unfair that I have to do a sermon now because uh, I don't know how you follow that. I think I should have gone first and then we could have invited them back up. Anyway, you're now stuck with me, so uh, please just sit tight Um, and we're going to continue our wee Christmas. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was good. It's so lovely to see, isn't it? So wonderful. And uh, the boys and girls did so well. And so did the grown-ups as well. They They were great and you guys were good. I was thinking maybe I should get wee cards for my sermons and I can hold them out and get some... Congregational response, but maybe not. Maybe we'll just leave that for the the Nativity. Who knows what will be shouted out? So anyway, we're going to continue our wee uh, Advent sermon series, and we're looking at the angels' song this morning, which is pretty appropriate after the the Nativity play we had there. And we're going to read. It says from verses eight down to verse twenty-one, but we're just going to read from verse eight down to verse fourteen in Luke chapter two. So let's read God's word together. Luke two, verses eight to fourteen. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks and we rejoice with our young people and children this morning. Father, we thank you for them. Lord, we thank you for the the story that they have just brought alive to us. And Lord, I I pray that it would come alive and it would be more than just a play that we've watched. But Lord, as Philippi was saying at the end there, that we would realize the significance and the impact that the event of the nativity has had on the course of history. And would that be further applied, Lord, even to our own hearts and our own lives, where Jesus makes all the difference. Lord, would we, each one of us, have a boom moment where we encounter the risen Jesus this morning. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the second time, Lord, maybe we feel like we need a a fresh touch from heaven this morning. Lord, wherever we're at, would we encounter your redeeming and transformative love. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So. We're looking at the angel's song this morning. We've looked at Mary's, uh, Elizabeth's song, uh, we looked at Mary's song, and last week we looked at Zechariah's song. And this morning we're going to spend just a few moments looking at the angel's song, uh, which we read in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We started reading in verse 8 though, and, and in that moment, the, 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 the scene of, of what's just happened has changed quite dramatically, because we've just been taken, in the, in the previous verses, we, we read of Mary and Joseph, as the children showed us, going to Bethlehem. And then they go into this inn, which is probably, as Philippi was saying, a, a downstairs room um, in, in someone of Joseph's family's household, uh, and it was where they kept the animals, um, a lot of the place would say stable and stuff, but the, the language wouldn't really show us in Scripture for that. It's more like an inn where animals would be kept in the, the downstairs courts of uh, living quarters. And, and in that moment, as they are down there, um, Jesus is born and he is placed, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Uh, I wonder if you've ever noticed that there's only about two verses here that is actually spoken about the birth of Jesus itself i I think i find that quite fascinating that we have all this stuff leading up to it and then the actual birth what takes place is just he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger it's just as quick as that it's just done and then all of a sudden though we have just from where jesus has come from the realms of glory from the heights of heaven he has come and he's now born into the meekness and messiness of a manger in verse 8 The scene changes and it goes to the fields where the shepherds are. They leave the birth story, everything that's just taken place, and we go to the fields. And we read of these shepherds who are out in their fields watching their sheep. And that is significant. It's really significant that these were the first people that we hear of. And we read off after the birth of Jesus. Why is it significant? Well, I said a few weeks ago, we have this tendency to like to tidy things up. We like to make things seem a bit neater and a lot more tidy than maybe they were. We especially see that when we look at, I said a few weeks ago, when we look at the cross of Jesus. Whenever we see a painting, quite often, in my humble opinion, it's as if Jesus is posing on the cross. It's, it's nice and it's neat and it's, it's tidy because actually it's more accessible for us because we don't want to see things that are gruesome. But actually on the cross, it was horrendous. It was gruesome. And even within the nativity, we have this kind of tendency to tidy things up. And uh, Jesus, though, wasn't born into the the, the highest palace. Or he wasn't born in a nice clean hospital. It's in a manger that he is placed. Let's just state the facts. The one who all things were created through. The very word of God was born not in a hospital, not in the, the nice palace but in, in in Bethlehem. There's nothing clean about this. There's nothing grand about the birth of Jesus. There's nothing romantic. It's messy. It's loud and impractical and unusual. I mean, we even have one of, in one of the lines about, you know, no crying he makes, you know, in one of our carols. I mean, Jesus cried because we really cried as an adult. And most babies, if not all babies, cry. We have this tendency to tidy things up. But he was born into a messy place. And it's because of your mess that he was born. So don't try and tidy your heart up before you come to him. Because actually, you're the reason he came. He was born because of your mess. All the things that are wrong in your life. That's why he was born. And I love how it's to the shepherds that the story goes to next. Because the shepherds were known as being dishonest people. They were the outcasts and on the margins of society, they were smelly, they were dirty, they were, by the standards of the law, they were unclean. They weren't even allowed to be a witness in court because they were so untrustworthy in that day that you couldn't believe what they were saying. And it's to them the story goes next. It goes from a messy place where there's probably animals surrounding the birth of our Lord and Saviour, to another messy place where there's messy people, shepherds. And these shepherds, friends, they represent you and I and the mess in our lives. And it was for outcasts and sinners. Those are the the people that Jesus came for. And in their dishonesty, these shepherds, and in their uncleanness, and in their mess, but also in their day-to-day and and normal life, in the normality of their day-to-day life, they have this encounter that changes everything because this angel appears to them in the night. In verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Just, just like that, as Felipe would hold up the boom sign, an angel appeared out of nowhere. They hadn't gone looking. They weren't doing well. They were just doing their normal thing, their normal day-to-day life. And look at the contrast between the manger scene and the the scene that we're reading of the shepherds just now. Around the birth of Jesus, there's nothing glorious or spectacular that we read. He's just wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's placed in a manger. But here with these shepherds, they experience this angel appearing and the glory of God shining around them. Jesus' glory was veiled from humans' eyes some points we get to see it the sort like the transfiguration but it was veiled he veiled his glory and it's to these smelly dirty dishonest outcasts known as shepherds that god reveals himself in all of his glory most children nowadays, maybe I mean, I'm guilty for this, maybe you are as well, most children nowadays when they're born, you announce them uh, by taking a wee photo of them and sticking it onto Facebook. I wonder if you've ever done that. We've done that with both our, both of our children. It was just easier to get the news out there. But onto Facebook they go, the weight, the time, the date and all these things, the name and a wee, nice wee photo. But look at the announcement here. It isn't a Facebook post or an Instagram post. It is the most spectacular announcement of a birth that you will ever see look at the grandness of it the glory of god this angel appears and the glory of god is shown in the sky and it fills where they are and they were filled with great fear no wonder no wonder they were filled with great fear seeing that sight this angel appearing in the middle of it feels of like an angel's appearing to me with this light in front of me right now this angel appear and the, the, this light this bright light shining the glory of God and this word glory in the Greek is doxa and it's it's to do with splendor or brightness That that's where the word kind of means the brightness of God, the splendor of God is revealed to them in the middle of their day-to-day lives, in the middle of the night, as they're looking after their sheep. And we read in Isaiah 9 this morning about the people walking in darkness seen a great light. And I think we see a visible picture of that in this very moment. Where the shepherds in the nighttime, lost and outcasts, marginalized, that this light appears to them. And to them is the gospel preached. As they watch their flocks by night, all of a sudden the sky lights up with the glory of God, the splendor, the majesty, the brightness of God. And the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people here's the thing about the good news though it wasn't just for the shepherds and it's not just for you it's not just for you do you know friends the more and more I think about it the church has become very guilty of hoarding the gospel keeping it to ourselves but actually the fact is it's for all the people It's for all the people, it's for you, but it's for all the people. And this good news of great joy, and this isn't a joy that is circumstantial, but this is a joy that it it never fades away because it is so deep rooted in the message of salvation and in the hope of salvation. It's where the roots of our joy is found, is in the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that with peace as well. We'll see that in a few moments. And this joy is here because the Savior had now been born. And what does the angel say to them in verse 11? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you, smelly, dirty shepherds who no one trusts. For unto you is born this day. And in this moment we see when Jesus would eventually stand up. I think it's in Luke chapter 4. Where he stands up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. And he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. We see that here. with Even with these shepherds. That there's hope for those who are in the outcasts. And in the margins of society. For unto you. And unto you. And unto you, and unto you, and unto you is born this day a saviour. He's Christ, the Lord. And I wonder what you will do with that hope this morning. That heartwarming story. Do we sit and think, oh that was a lovely wee play that the children put on. Oh it's warmed my heart to see the boys and girls dress up with some tinsel that's nice, let's park it now for another year and in a year's time we'll we'll hear of it again. Or will you like the shepherds respond and actually do something about it and have to go and see? Go and see with your own eyes. As they'll say later on in verse fifteen, let us go and see in Bethlehem what has happened. I wonder if you will turn your gaze to the one who was born to be your Saviour this morning and one scholar says he found no room in the holy of holies that shone with gold precious stones pure silk and silver he's not born in the midst of gold and riches but in the midst of dung in a stable where our sins were filthier than the dung that's where jesus was born into for your mess and for my mess Friends, if he'd been born in the Holy of Holies, we couldn't have got near him. But do you know what I love? And I only saw it this morning as I was reading over my sermon before I came. He was born in a place that is accessible for us to get to. In a stable. And where does the story go next? But to the shepherds. Because that's where they could go. It was normal for them to be around animals. It was normal for them to be around that situation friends when we seek him with all of our heart we will find him it's the easiest game of hide and seek you will ever play is with jesus because you just have to look at him with everything and you'll find him because he's been born in a place that is accessible for you to get to not in the holy of holies not in the highest of heavens but in the midst of our mess in the midst of and in. And then they're told about this sign in verse 12. And then in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying. All of a sudden. We have another boom moment. Praising God and saying. We've just read as well in verse 11, I should say, sorry, that this Christ the Lord, this is who is born, this is the Savior. And in our English, we put the word the in between Christ and Lord, but actually in the construction of the Greek, what you have here is Christ Lord is basically the way it's put together. There's no the word the, it's Christ Lord. And it's actually a really significant point because the, the word Christ here is, is the kind of New Testament version of the word Messiah. And it points to the chosen one, the anointed one. And this word Lord, it's the same word that Mary used. And it's the, the, the Greek rendering of the word Yahweh in the Old Testament. And it's the personal name of God. So what you have here about the Christ the Lord or Christ Lord is, is not just the chosen one of God, but the chosen one who is God. And he makes himself known to you. And it's a really significant theological point. And then just as this announcement is made, you have this boom moment. Where the sky is ripped open even more. And it's no longer just one angel that's there. The sky is ripped open in the splendor of God. God. Suddenly, in that moment, uh, this, this host or uh, multitude or, or the, the, the kind of the Greek word would be an army of angels. This army of angels appear in the night sky. And we have our song that we'll very briefly look at this morning. It is ripped open and in, in unison and in, in one voice. The, 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 the army of angels that have come from heaven. They appear to the shepherds. And they sing this song in one voice, this chorus from heaven, this angelic song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Quite remarkable song. And in it, glory to God and peace on earth. We see the jewel outworking of the redemption plan that the Savior would bring. This is what Christ's atoning work would do. He'd bring glory to heaven and he'd bring peace to earth. The dual outworking of the birth of Jesus that are so interconnected. Glory to God and peace to man. And again, we see God's sovereign hand here. With whom he is pleased, the phrase says. And, and, and what it's really important to say, because some translations, they would put the emphasis on where there's kind of God is pleased with people. He will bring his peace. That's not what it means here. What this means is that, that, that it's to whom God pleases that he will bring his peace. It takes the emphasis and the responsibility away from you and I. And it's all of Him. It points to his sovereign hand in the work of redemption, that he is in control, that he is the active agent in our redemption, that we just have to believe, receive, and accept, and he does it all on our behalf. And he brings this peace where he pleases to bring it. And this peace, again, is deep-rooted in this hope of salvation. It, It points to there's no longer enmity between God and mankind. We're no longer enemies of him because of what Jesus would do. He would save us from our sins. He would save us from our sins. Friends, he is the benefactor. And we are simply the beneficiaries of salvation. We just receive and he achieves it. I just want to make this closing point this morning. Glory to God and peace among those whom he is pleased. In this song, we have this beautiful, and we see this beautiful glimpse into the relationship of glory and grace. Glory and grace. Jesus' coming brought glory to God but it brought peace to us who did not deserve it because of our sin. And we see this beautiful relationship between glory and grace. Thomas Brooks, the Puritan, said this, Grace and glory differ very little. One is the seed and the other is the flower. Grace is glory militant. And glory is grace triumphant. In his grace, God has invited and planted the seed in our hearts to be able to glorify him. So by God coming and offering peace through Christ, by showering us in grace we did not deserve, he is glorified. Because his creation can worship him as he always intended it to do so. Grace is the seed that takes root in a sinner's heart. That brings him to his knees in repentance. And makes him call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Which then blossoms into the most beautiful overflow that a child of God can ever bring. Glory to our heavenly father. And as we experience his grace in this life. As we experience the peace that Jesus has won on our behalf. There is another day coming. When the grace we experience in this life. Will blossom into the experience of seeing him in all of his glory. Even more majestic than the shepherd saw that night. Because we will be surrounded by no darkness. There will be no darkness. But his glory Will be all we will see and all we will know. And we will get to, as Romans says, share in his glory, but only because of his grace. Grace and glory differ very little. One is the seed, the other is the flower. Grace is glory militant, and glory is grace triumphant. Let's pray. Gracious and Sovereign Lord, we thank you for your redemption plan. We thank you for the good news that the angels brought to the shepherds. Those who did not deserve it and were on the outskirts of society. Marginalized and distant. We thank you that it wasn't to the high priests or to the religious elite you went to. But to sinners and people who were looked down upon. Lord, thank you there's hope for anyone who calls on your name. Thank you that you make yourself accessible for us. That Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to God the Father. And we thank you for your grace that you've shown by bestowing your peace upon us and taking us from the place of being enemies with you to children of God. And thank you, Lord, that one day the grace we've experienced now We'll blossom into seeing you in all of your glory when we see you as you fully are. What a hope we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.